This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI. I'm Ramia Amuthan. And I'm Danielle McLaughlin. Kelly McDonald is out for the rest of exactly how yet, but... Sri Lankan uh, ethnicity and I'm back in a loose low ponytail. Danielle. And I am a white woman in my 70s. Uh, I have white hair and I think gray is the color of the day. I've got a red and gray plaid top and a gray sweater as well, although not quite as nice and fluffy as yours, Ramya. And I'm also in Toronto at my home studio and I have in my background a white painted rattan screen. Oh, lovely. Thank you for the background description. Uh, we have, uh, Kelly and I both have the purple and white pillars behind us with the Toronto skyline as well. And in front of me is a white table. Let's find out what's coming up on today, the Wednesday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Greg David is joining us for our bi-weekly TV talk, and he's discussing the top categories and nominees for this year's Canadian Screen Awards announced very early this morning. Julie Black changed one word in O Canada when she performed it at the NBA All-Star Game. Entertainment reporter Corinne Van Dusen will give us the details. And in hour two of Kelly and Romeo, we have Kevin Shaw joining us to talk entrepreneurship, as he always does. And today, we're discussing sales, selling ourselves, and what it really means. Danielle, you brought up something today, and we're going to indulge in this conversation a little bit. Uh, today is Ash Wednesday. That's right. And um, for people of the Christian faith, particularly people who are Catholic, they will have gone to church uh, earlier today, and for people who practice those faiths, they will be celebrating the first day of Lent. And on that day, um, you may see people who have a uh, some ash on their foreheads, and this mm -hmm. is part of a ceremony in which a priest blesses them and makes the sign of a cross with the ash. The first question that I thought to myself, and, and since I was a very little girl, I'm not Christian, and I don't believe that you are either, which makes this a particularly interesting um, holiday for, for people like us who, who don't celebrate and want to know more. Um, I asked, where does the ash come from? Um, and I thought, well, I, I, can, I can find out. So last Sunday was uh, Palm Sunday, which is also celebrated in the Christian faith. And apparently the tradition is that the palms that are used in the service, these are palm fronds from palm trees, not something that grows in Canada, most places, that's for sure. Um, but these are then burnt and the ash from the palm fronds is used for Ash Wednesday, a, a, a few days after Palm Sunday. Now, when you were growing up and you you went to school in in Toronto, did did you learn about um, Christian celebrations? Uh, not formally in school, but just out of the company I kept. Daniel, right. you're gonna have to carry this. I'm coughing a little. <laughs> oh dear, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> you know, when I was in school as a young child, part of the time I went to school in the United States, and I remember that friends of mine would uh, on a, a Wednesday, uh, six or so weeks before Easter, would suddenly disappear from school and then they'd come back with this mark on their forehead. And I must say, I was extremely curious, also a bit jealous that they got to leave school in the middle of the day, even if they did come back later on. I just, I, I had to say that it, it was most interesting to me. And as I grew up, I, you know, went sometimes with friends who, who attended church just so I could find out more about it. Um, the other thing that people who are uh, quite religious will do is they will avoid eating meat during Ash Wednesday and also every Friday of Lent. And for some people, Ash Wednesday is a fast day where they will not eat at all. 
Um, it's a day where people who practice and who celebrate um, think about the sins they've committed and try to become better people the next year. And I know that many faiths have this thing that we need to do, where we need to think about what have we done and what ought we to be doing in the future? Danielle, I would like to hop in now if I can. Um, yes, please. We'll see. But, <laughs> but it's, it is quite interesting to me because, I mean, I was uh, born in the, the Hindu faith, and there are days of the year that even though, like, I don't practice Hinduism per se, and I don't consider myself a very religious person at all, I think that there are days that feel symbolic and sentimental, and maybe just from having practiced them, having been passed down traditionally to take part in these very community-heavy days. Uh, and I'm hearing a lot about this regarding Ash Wednesday as well. People who may not consider themselves to be uh, quite orthodox, Catholic, or um, consider themselves to be practiced Christians still take part. Like, there are masses of people who take part in some way or another during Ash Wednesday mm -hmm. and uh, to a degree during Lent because of the symbolism and because of the spirit behind it, whether that be religious or not. That's right. And uh, I'm Jewish, and we have Yom Kippur, which is a, a, a fast day once a year, mm. where we think about the sins that uh, we've committed and try to promise to, to do better the, the following year. So... You know, it's it's a solemn day. Yes. And, yeah. um, you know, we're thinking about our friends for whom this is an important day. Yeah. And I think that, you know, regardless of the time and the day and age, there is the expression uh, and the freedom for it still. So we're going to take a break, come back with headlines. Reporter Grant Hardy will be joining us on that. This is Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back. It's a snowy Wednesday afternoon in Toronto. That's where we are. I'm Ramia Amuthan, and joining me is Danielle McLaughlin, filling in for Kelly McDonald on Kelly and Ramia. And uh, because it's Wednesday, it's technically midweek, but it's the four-day work week for us, so it kind of feels a little different. But regardless, we keep the Wednesday spirit going by talking headlines with Grant Hardy. Uh, we're going to get into accessibility and lifestyle and health and everything else. Let's bring him on. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Grant, I wanted to ask you, do you ever try to theme these segments, or is it just kind of whatever piques your interest goes? Oh, that's a good question. A little bit of both. It's definitely whatever piques my interest, but I would say that we try and avoid heavier topics on Fridays. We mm -hmm. do heavier topics typically on Wednesday. Also, I would say I stick to health, at least mainly for Wednesday. Okay. But that, that could all, all change. Kind of the old spirit, right, <laughs> of Kelly and company? Health on Wednesdays, lifestyle exactly. on Fridays? Yeah, nice, nice. That's the idea. Awesome. Well, what do you have for us? All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, the importance of social circles, which is uh, a lesson that comes to us as it often happens by people who are uh, marginalized or who are part of minority groups. And uh, uh, if you guys don't remember the Flint water crisis uh, back mm -hmm. in 2014, Michigan state's government's cost-cutting measures wound up contaminating Flint's public water system with lead and other uh, bacteria. It made people very sick and even depressed. And uh, what they found afterwards were that people really had to come together and that people who developed social circles uh, actually did quite a bit uh, better now women uh have actually played a key role in uh preventing even more uh dire health struggles so uh let me see here sorry just give me one second it's always great when your hmm. notes make up uh disappear <laughs> uh so <laughs> 
um, this definitely uh, disproportionately affected the Black residents, and Black women in particular had a huge influence. Women in the survey that it did tended to have more confidants with whom to discuss the water crisis than did men. Uh, both men and, and women tended to have women as confidants, but Black participants surveyed had 31% more women confidants in their network than white participants. Uh, and there's more evidence in the study that, for example, women uh, have played a key role in preventing even uh, more dire health comes by, for example, getting blood screenings for uh, lead and uh, other contaminants to detect whether that had spread to their family unit and possibly urging other people to do the same uh, in their family. So it, I think it really goes back to this idea that we talked about a couple of weeks back regarding uh, emergency prep. We talked about this with Brock, and this is kind of why I brought this to the, the forefront, because I think for, especially for a lot of people who are single, for people who have disabilities, for Bi BIPOC, not not that I can speak for, for those people, but for folks who are part of uh, minority groups, it just seems like it's really, really important to build and maintain your social networks, support networks, and for everybody, maybe we can draw some lessons from these folks as well. I think this is really important to uh, to think about, Grant. I, I, you know, women's groups, whether they're formal or informal, have always been a, a significant way of mm. sharing information. And one of the things we know about lead contamination is it, it its worst effects are on children, babies, and children. And so, for women to get together and and you know make sure that they're not just taking care of themselves, but that that they know what the story is and and what they need to look out for, um, you know. F I have to say that that those women really made a huge difference, and they continue to make a huge difference, right. don't they? I mean, the story isn't over yet, and you know, once children have been exposed to lead, uh, you have to monitor them their their whole childhoods, really. Yeah, I remember reading something interesting about actually uh, lead and its association with. Uh, policing, because kind mm -hmm. of getting off topic here, but lead has all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, basically removing people's uh, like certain impulse control mechanisms, po like possibly increasing uh, ag aggressive tendencies. I I believe not speaking for everybody, but also it's fascinating that in poorer communities in the States, if you look at like some of their housing projects, if you look at places like this that have disproportionate minority groups, you often find that there is actually lead con contamination in uh, a lot of their older buildings as well. That's so right. it's essentially like a, a cradle to, you know, police interaction pipeline if you will that's very depressing to put it like that yeah. but yeah, yeah that it, it's it's really significant because of course in areas that are economically depressed um they haven't updated the paint just as an example i mean right. lead in mm -hmm. paint was made illegal but if your place hasn't been painted in a couple of decades you probably still have lead paint on the walls Correct. and and it chips and little kids have been known to put paint chips in their mouths and they're also it becomes dusty and the dust is inhaled and they're just you know being poor has so many um as side effects doesn't it mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. this is definitely one so this is where we need yeah. our communities around us, for sure. Yeah, I think if that's a uh, quote-unquote positive takeaway from the article, it seems like th this is a good opportunity to, you know, maybe if you're one of those people who is like, I don't know any of my neighbors, that, you know, I don't really see the point in kind of, like, putting myself out there, I'm sort of happy you know, being alone, like maybe it is important to get to know your community a little bit so that you guys can all kind of come together, whether it's just to borrow some peanut butter or whether yeah. it's to help each right. other through uh, 
an emergency. What are your thoughts, Ramia? I was going to say this is the one thing I can very um, real, you know, comment on, which is that I've lived in low-rise building, in high-rise building, in in residential neighborhoods, in jam-packed city center, downtown, and I think. I'd say that out of all these experiences, having the relationships with your neighbors uh, was probably the the highlight and, and the least amount of my independent living that I experienced it. Because in Toronto, you know, it's so normal for us not to have interactions with people around us. And that is so unfortunate because everything that both of you have pointed out in this segment, you know, can easily be... A, a community building, you know, to, to kind of tackle some of these issues, but it's just not the case for majority of us living in giant populated cities. And so like, I'm only starting to realize in like the last three years how much of a difference it makes in your life to know your neighbors, to talk to people on your street, to actually take part in your community. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the social determinants of health, isn't it, Grant? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And just, you know, getting to know some of the, the neighbors in in my my building, just thinking off the top of my head of a few people, you know, my first imp- impression is like, you know, you hear you move in, you hear people making sounds and people's little noises. And you're like, uh, I just wish, you know, it could be quieter. But then I actually needed some uh, assistance, you know, one day and people were like more than happy to, mm-hmm. to rush over and, and chat and provide the assistance. And of course I would, I would be happy to as well. And it's just such a unique bonding experience because you realize, you know, a lot of this stuff that we kind of tend to bl- maybe get annoyed with our neighbors about really have to do more with the cramped living conditions that mm-hmm. we're in rather mm-hmm. than our neighbors. Yeah. And it's just really important to, bond with our communities <laughs> all right uh let's see here so i know everyone talks and talks about ex- exercise and health and and nutrition as we grow older but i did find kind of a practical article in the washington post that talks a little bit about this so basically uh we're experiencing uh, these older generations where people are living longer because they're surviving conditions that used to be fatal, but people are still living, losing their ability to live independently. Now, independent living requires the ability to basically perform the activities of bathing or showering, dressing, getting in or out of bed or a chair, walking, using the washroom, and eating. Uh, Doing these things takes four physical attributes, cardiorespiratory fitness, which is how well the cardiovascular system and breathing apparatus supply oxygen during the physical exertion, muscle strength and power, flexibility, and dynamic balance, meaning the ability to remain stable while moving. Uh, Biological aging takes a toll on each of these, especially cardio. Uh, vascular fitness, which uh, once you become 70, I believe de- uh, declines approximately 21% per Oh, at decade. least. <laughs> Healthy people. Um, so basically, uh, once you reach the uh, middle age is when you really need to get serious about incorporating a structured exercise program into your daily routine more than just uh, walking, but some serious physical exertion, focusing on these specific categories of fitness activities. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I, th- I think just thinking for myself how difficult it is to actually not even get motivated, but just to know whether the exercises I'm doing are the exercises I should be doing, Mm. uh, that this is probably one of those opportunities where maybe if you can, some sort of a personal trainer or just a fitness expert, you know, would be beneficial. What do you guys think? How do you keep up with your fitness routines? Well, that's a good point. You know, just really having the mentality of I need to exercise. But also I had a conversation over the weekend with um, the guide who came skiing with me and he's 75. And one of the things he said, because I I was complaining about how well winter, it's so hard to get fit in winter. And he said, yeah, but I live on the sixth floor and I just 
take the stairs up and down anytime I need to um, <clears throat> go out. I'm taking the stairs, and anytime I need to come back in, whether I'm carrying groceries or a backpack or whatever, it's the stairs. And I thought, yeah, what an easy way to get in <laughs> daily true. exercise. And I'll say, and I, I, mean, I have been avoiding the stairs since I put on my winter coat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, unless you live on the. 35th floor or something right. it's probably pretty good for you and you know stairs really involve so many yes. muscles yes uh, you know mm. during the pandemic there uh, became a lot of fitness programs available on youtube uh at no cost and i know that i started doing a regular pilates class mm. which uh, there's a, a a woman in england who puts out a new video twice a week and um i think that it's wonderful if you you know you can choose the sort of exercise you like without spending very much money or or any it with the stairs yeah. you know that's that, those are well, great i i one of the things that that you mentioned grant i think um that's very important as we age is balance yes um, it's so easy to forget that you need to work on balance it's just it you know where in at the ages you guys are it it it, it comes to you naturally but once you start getting older it gets harder and harder just to even balance on two feet. So, uh, yeah, we need yeah. to, to if, keep that one up. If you're blind or partially sighted, download the Revision Fitness app and yes. uh, check it out. I believe there's a free trial and they really go into some accessible workouts if those YouTube videos aren't working out. Absolutely. There have been some incredible content creators to keep uh, fitness going for the disability community. Grant, thanks for highlighting these. Talk Always to you later. pleasure. Thanks. Grant will be back on Friday for more headlines. But after the break, we're checking in with Greg David for our bi-weekly TV chat. Today, top categories and nominees for the Canadian Screen Awards. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Live from the Accessible Media All Studios, right. this is Kelly. We are back with Kelly and Ramya on AMI. Thanks for joining us on AMI-TV and AMI-audio. Uh, Danielle McLaughlin is filling in for Kelly McDonald. And, Danielle, we were talking about exercise in the previous segment. I think that, you know, the, the specific things that Grant pointed out, um, and you mentioned balance as one of the important ones as we age, are really great to kind of consider on a daily uh the getting out of bed part you know who hasn't had a bad day when they could barely get out of bed but just saying oh in, boy in, yeah <laughs> but in those <laughs> moments you realize right like how much physical exertion it really does take to use all the muscles you need to have that simple activity be done it's true. You just to launch yourself into the day. Yeah. It's quite an yeah. issue some days. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. Well, I uh, I am looking forward, Ramya, to speaking with our guest, Greg David. We're going to talk television with our communications specialist at AMI, Greg. I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. Well, a few weeks ago, Greg introduced us to the Canadians receiving special recognition at this year's Canadian Screen Awards, but this time, he's here to talk about the nominations. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm good, Danielle. I couldn't help but but uh, kind of giggle sadly to myself when you and Ramya and Grant were talking about balance. You know, I remember, and this wasn't too long ago, when I would just literally jump out of bed and greet the day, and now it's it's getting slower and slower. I'm easing myself <laughs> mm. into the day. And oh. has anybody else put their back out by sneezing, or am I the only oh, person yeah. that that's ever happened? Oh, absolutely. Okay. That is a okay. full body absolutely. exercise, sneezing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a core exercise. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> and, and when I try to get out of bed, some days I think, okay, what's going to hurt this time? <laughs> oh, no. It's, oh, it's not I'm easy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, gosh. So tell me. Canadian Screen Award nominations were revealed this morning. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting. So let's begin with Best Drama. Which series were nominated and were any of a surprise for you? 
Yeah, uh, like you said, uh, the the Canadian Screen Award nominations were announced this morning, so this is pretty much breaking news. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess yeah. the biggest surprise for me in this category is a drama named Departure. And this is from Global Television, and it's kind of an investigative drama. In the first se- season, it was the investigation into a plane crash and whether it was terrorism or an accident. In the second season, the season that's nominated uh, for a Canadian Screen Award, it was about uh, a train accident, a train derailment. And whether this was, you know, error, uh, human error or what it was. Um, And this starred the late Christopher Plummer. This was the last Canadian series that he worked on before he passed away. And I kind of forgot about the show because it was delayed in the broadcast schedule. Production was delayed because of COVID. And then Global kind of snuck it into their schedule kind of all of a sudden. So that was kind of the biggest surprise for me. Um, And I don't find it to be that strong of a contender. One that I do, though... Uh, find it as a contender and, and Ramya you and Kelly and I have talked about this before is the Porter uh, CBC's drama about black train porters working to create a union in 1920s Canada it's been nominated for 19 different categories including wow. best drama yeah so a great great show that you can stream right now on CBC gem and get all caught up but well worth the nomination as is Transplant, which has been nominated in the drama category again this year. They won this category last year. So I'm thinking that the Porter and Transplant have probably got the boat, the best chance out of the rest of the, the shows in this category for a win. Uh, the other two shows in this category are CBC's Moonshine, which is about a family-run campground. And it was, a lot, to me, a little bit too funny uh, to be in the dra- drama category. So uh, it had a great soundtrack, a wonderful performances, but overall, it's kind of the odd man out here, as is CBC's Sky Med, which is a little too cookie cutter of a medical drama for me. It's about uh, it's about a doctors uh, helping out folks in northern communities that need to be flown in and out in helicopters and planes, hence the Sky Med name of the show. Uh, so yeah, a, a nice mix of shows in the best drama category for sure but i'm thinking either the porter or transplant are probably going to take it okay and i'll save my side notes about award shows to the end uh let's talk about <laughs> last year cbc's sort of took the title for best comedy series was it nominated again this year Indeed, sort of was. This was kind of the shoe in. I knew it was going to be nominated. Uh, it has the strongest chance of winning in this category again this year, but there is lots of competition. You can't count out Cray's Letter Kenny, which we've talked about on this show yeah. before. It's currently in its seventh season and shows no signs of slowing down. So, Letter Kenny, you know, certainly deserving. Um, some fun shows, uh, some different ones in this category this year. Astrid and Lily Save the World is kind of an update to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and that's about two high school teens fighting off monsters. It's a heck of a fun show to check out. It's available on Crave On Demand. And CTV's Children Ruin Everything is a great sitcom about a young couple learning the ups and downs of parenthood. Uh, And the last one in this category is CBC Gems Fakes, and that's about two young women who make a ton of money making and selling fake IDs. Remember fake IDs to their their fellow students. Um, the lead performances in fakes are worthy of the nomination alone. But like I said, I mean, I, I, I've already talked about the fact that sort of will probably win. But I really like the fact that we've got a category that has some newbies in there. It makes things a lot more exciting. Have you watched all the shows on this list? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was my question. <laughs> I really wanted to know. I, I'm really ashamed of myself. I don't think I've seen any of them. Have you, Ramya? Not yeah, even Letter I mean, Kenny. I mean, I have an unfair advantage because I'm I'm prepping for this show all the time, but also, uh, you is know, that on the side. I mean, the other thing is, Rami, I run a website on the on the side where I talk yeah. about Canadian TV all the time. So if I don't know and don't know at least something about these shows, then I should be ashamed of myself. Mm. Well, we're, we're we're glad that you're watching. Yes. <laughs> well, um, last year, Best Lead Actor and Best Lead Actress in a Comedy went to Kim's Convenience, mm. but that program is no longer able to be submitted. So who was nominated uh, this year in those categories? 
This is really, really interesting what the Academy has decided to do. There are no longer best actor and best actress categories. They've uh-huh. been combined into best performance, which I think is good. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that yeah. at all. Uh, and so this is the first year for, for doing that. This is including men and women in the category. And the result is a wide open field and the trophy could go to anyone in the uh, in the best, uh, best performance in a comedy category. Um, of note to me are Meredith McNeil and A. Adrian C. Moore, who are both fantastic in CBC's Pretty Hard Cases. The ironic part about this is that Pretty Hard Cases was just canceled by CBC uh, last mm. week. So, oh. ew, you know, hey, you've been canceled, but hey, you've been nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. So good for you. Uh, so those are the, the two uh, that stand out for me. Also, Catherine Reitman and Danny Kind were both nominated for their roles on Work and Moms, which is also on CBC. They're both deserving of those nominations and have really carried the show with their storylines and their character storylines and their performances uh, over the past year Um, but also in the mix Bilal Bag from Sort Of is up for a nomination in this category as is Andrew Fung from CBC's Run the Burbs I would absolutely be happy with any of the people that I just named winning in this category because it is such a strong one this well you know uh, Daniel you go ahead yeah I was gonna say I think that it really makes sense to combine the into best performance because we're seeing for example more and more trans people are, are yep. acting and why do we have to worry about how they identify when all we're interested in is how they perform mm-hmm. so it makes absolutely. a lot of sense to me yeah yep, absolutely Sorry. what were you going to say Ramya? and not to mention like these this category alone would put people on shows that they haven't watched you know if you're looking for yep. performance if you're saying oh my gosh the, this these people are uh, doing an incredible job at this role then that's enough to put me on a show uh switching to best lead actor and lead actress in a drama is that still happening as a category no no it's okay. not so yeah uh, yeah it's going to okay. be best performance in a, in a drama category okay so we're we're good with uh transplant and sweep and all of that yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the ones, yeah, the ones who have the best chance in this category are Transplants, Hamza Hawk and Laurence Leboeuf, who are both nominated uh, for Transplant. They're both the returning champions, so they're coming into this. Now that'll be interesting because last year, when it was Best Actor and Best Actress, they each won. This time, they're going head to head in the same category, which is going to make mm. things really interesting. Oh, that's um, they are both wonderful actors and have made Transplant the show that it is worth watching today. Um, but what's fun about this is there are three actors from the Porter in this category as well. So Amal Amin, Ronnie Rowe Jr., Jr. excuse me, and Muna Traore were all fantastic in the Porter and could take home a trophy. And I think the biggest and nicest surprise for me are that John Reardon and Mako Nguyen were both included in this category. They both star in Hudson and Rex on City TV which is a lighthearted crime drama based out of St. John's, Newfoundland, and it follows a detective who solves crime with the help of his German shepherd partner. So a lot more lighthearted than the than the other dramas in this category for those two uh, actors that have been nominated. Uh, but it's a ratings winner and a fan favorite, and it comes from the same production company that makes Murdoch Mysteries. They know how to make entertaining shows. So a nice surprise, but not really surprising to see two folks from Hudson and Rex uh, up for uh, best performance in a, in a drama. Well, Transplant was also named Best Drama Series last year. Uh, Is there anything nominated this year that can beat it, or do you think it's going to win again? Yeah, I don't really think so. I think in this case, the, the biggest one, the Porter, I think, is is probably going to give Transplant a run for its money this time around. Um, uh, you know, I wish that you could give out two awards because I think that both shows are really, really good for different reasons. One is a period drama set in the 1920s. The other is modern day in a hospital setting uh, that that tells the story of a Syrian doctor who's been transplant, you know, literally a transplant in Canada and rebuilding his his uh, his life in a new country alongside his his sister. So they're really, really different shows. And like I said, I wish they could give out two trophies, but I think it's transplants to lose. Uh, I, I think it's going to be, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to put myself on the spot, but I think it's going to be transplant, but Porter could easily take it. Mm, okay. I mean, obviously when you come on, uh, Greg, there's lots to talk about when it comes to these award shows, but I'm very curious in this angle of our award shows keeping up with the times. Uh, obviously, we're, we just talked about some of the categories kind of mm-hmm. 
being upgraded, if you will. Um, but I, I also think about other things like just boxing, going back to one of the very first comments you made where you're not sure if this would be a drama or a comedy, like that kind of thing. And just, um, you know, is that changing with television and are, are award shows doing enough to kind of keep up with things that way? Maybe not too much on the representation side, but just in terms of art form. Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's a it's a production company that puts forward their show into the category. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the production company behind Moonshine would say, oh, OK, well, we're going to put it into, you know, put it up for, for this category, uh, which is kind of weird, like I said, because there are some very funny moments in Moonshine. But, yeah, you bring up a really good point. You know, even if you're watching a drama, there can be some very funny moments in a straight up drama as well. Yeah. It's just trying to figure out what is the genre and where does it fit? And I do think that especially with the streaming services out there, there is that line being blurred between what is a traditional comedy, a traditional drama. Um, absolutely. Absolutely, there is. Yeah. And and it makes me uh, wonder, you know, how much change there has to be in an award show format and, and what we're awarding to who uh, to kind of keep up with that, because it definitely so much more uh, less lines in the art. Um, yeah. Sorry, just before we go, where and when can we watch the Canadian Screen Awards? Yeah, so you'll be able to watch the event on CBC, CBC Gem, and the CBC YouTube channel on Sunday, April the 16th at 8 p.m. And uh, the the Academy just announced that Samantha B is going to be the host of the show. Uh, she previously hosted the late-night comedy series Full Frontal with Samantha B. And before that, she was a correspondent for 16 seasons on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. So mark April the 16th in your calendar to see the Canadian Screen Awards. It sounds like a lot of fun. And thank you so much for all the details, Greg. Nice talking oh, always to happy you. To, always happy to do it. Thanks a lot. That's great. Join Greg David every other Wednesday to talk all things television. It's always nice talking to Greg because he um, gives us a list of TV shows to watch if we haven't already watched them yet. All right, we're taking a break and coming back with Bill Shackleton. He's going to give us articles to think about on The Buzz with Bill on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Daniel McLaughlin and Ramia Amuthan here on Kelly and Ramia. And I'm thinking back to a conversation, Danielle, that I had with Dave Brown, the host of our morning show now with Dave Brown, on uniculture. And I mean, that context was very different. But these award shows, the nominations of... Uh, TV shows being mentioned over and over again, you know, something being nominated 19 times, as Greg pointed out, and saying, okay, well, the Porter's making its way around the reputation, right, of an award show, makes me start yeah. wondering, are we doing it? Like, are we keeping these award shows around for this particularly, right? Like, for this kind of, well, we'll all be able to talk about um, these shows and recognize them because they're, of course, reputable, hence the award show. You know, it's interesting. I mean, back in the day, um, there used to be many fewer shows on mm -hmm. television and many fewer movies. And so when there were award shows, everybody knew what the shows were. They'd right. seen them and they'd, they'd seen the movies. And nowadays, there's just so much out there that I think, you know, maybe the purpose is... To, to draw your attention to something you haven't seen mm. instead of celebrating something you have seen. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't know how many people are watching the, the award shows, how popular they are. I, it's an, it would be interesting to find out whether the audiences are, are still glued to the Oscars, for example, right. the way they once were. Yeah. Oh, I mean, with the reputations that the Oscars are getting, the plummeting yeah, no kidding, reputation. Right. I don't know about all that, <laughs> but yes. but it, it is interesting to ponder, you know, and especially when we're talking about art and uh, culture and and how things get big, how we get the views, um, how much of an impact these award shows are continuing to make, or are they? Right. Yeah. But anyways, let's uh, talk about some other things. Bill Shackleton brings us the buzz with Bill to wrap up the first hour of Kelly and Ramia on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And he's back because it's a Wednesday. Hey, Billy. Hey, how are you guys? Doing pretty well. Getting into some insightful, insightful conversations already. How are you? 
Doing pretty good. And actually, we got two entrepreneur stories today and one from the FDA. Let's um, do it. Thanks. All right. Funding woes inspire $25,000 pitch competition for Black entrepreneurs. Um, Canadian wow. Press brings us this kind of interesting. So basically, immigrating to Canada from Kenya with dreams of, her, of starting her own business Jackie Cassande um, soon discovered that the banks weren't actually opening their vaults to her. Mm-hmm. And so she she uh, founded the, um, basically, the, 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 uh, the, the business that helps Black entrepreneurs um, basically start businesses. And they are, she's pitching a $25,000 um prize which is going to go to a black entrepreneur who has you know who wants to start their own business and she basically is saying that we you know people of color don't always get the same privileges you know if you don't own a home you don't have credit history mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. you know we've heard this story before right um so people are people of color aren't necessarily getting the recognition or getting the money they need start a business so what she her company is actually um is going to give a a business entrepreneur twenty five thousand dollars to start a business and the the difference um, basically what the qualifications are is rather than doing a written submission um she is they're, they're going to be accepting a video um submissions for potential um you know entrepreneurs oh and i think that's in the day in in this day and age we need video i mean people are getting you know they want to do videos right well it's a more creative um, approach than it, to... i think i think it is Could so be. basic yeah so the the i mean i remember when i was first getting my first credit card it was like the, the system turned me down because of you know the the things we talked about history the lack of and the lack of owning a home and so on and so on so yeah. i think these these people need all the help they can get well i mean we're really talking about you know the prejudice that mm-hmm. that banks ex- have the right to exercise i mean back in the day women couldn't get credit cards yeah. unless they had a man sign for them their father or their husband or somebody who was considered to be more responsible um, and I know that, you know, that one of the other problems is in black communities, there aren't always bank banks available. So, you know, it, it really is a, a hardship for entrepreneurs who are black to be able to just to, to start their businesses. This sounds like a great kickstart for somebody. Um, I would I would love to hear more about uh, who's who's entering the competition and you know, who it is who will end up getting the 25000 Sounds brilliant. Well, I, th- I think we're going to find out on in, on February 24th. They whittled it down to two or three. Um, Super. And, you know, I mean, it's it's they can't give 25000 out to everybody. Yeah, Too bad. Um, that's the hard. <laughs> I was actually going to ask about that. Do you know how they're whittling it down, how they're, they, they choose? Who ends up getting? Is there a voting process or? Oh, they're going to yeah, they're going to vote. It's judged. Okay. Um, all I know is it's judged. Um, so good luck to that person who, um, you know, gets this award. Yeah, these projects are going to have curious. A, I hear they're going to have a pretty impressive speaker at their. Oh, uh, Michael uh, Jean. Michael Jean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, these well, projects are so have? interesting, right? Because there are all kinds of uh, representation questions and um, uh, I guess situations that we have to consider. As you mentioned, Danielle, the history of what we know and what's available to uh, the BIPOC community. And I think that as long as the the representation is being seen in the judging uh, part of it, you know, who gets who gets the money, uh, then the the conversations can be very authentic. Yeah, we that's true. We do need to know who 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 has the expertise to judge mm. uh, the the entrepreneurial entries. Interesting question. 
Well, yeah. the name of the organization is the Nonprofit Black Entrepreneur and Business Society mm. um, that she's funded. Okay. So good luck to that. And we got another interesting one from People Magazine. Toronto Woman um, promotes ostomy bag awareness. So huh. she's saying if we don't talk about it, if we don't teach people about it, how are we going to expect them to accept us uh, for who we are? Says um, Jessica Grossman, who founded the nonprofit Ostomy Magazine. Basically, this woman is... Um, when she was in, very very young, she basically had um, an ostomy, and she was very concerned. The doctors basically told her that she would be, if she didn't have it, she might not have long to live. Mm. So, mm -hmm. you know, we she talks about in the article all the things that what kind of clothes am I going to wear? How are people going to accept me? How am I going to hide it? Um, the the bag. And she's basically promoting the fact that ostomy is, you know, it's who you are and, you know, it's there's nothing to be ashamed of. And she's mentoring patients who are going to have the surgery and basically saying that, you know, um, it's okay, you're still a person, you just have a bag and, you know, that type of thing. No. It really is courageous, isn't, yes. isn't it? Because oh, it I mean... Is. So many people have been taught, oh, you mustn't let people know that, yeah, that you have right. a stoma, you know, with yeah, the that's opening right. on your on your abdomen. You mustn't let people, you know, people are going to think that there's something terrible, uh, you know, they're not, they, and there are all kinds of prejudices around this sort of thing. I, I had friends when I was growing up who had had this procedure and, you know, they wouldn't go swimming or they wouldn't go to the beach or they wouldn't be any place where... Um, they might have to, you know, where, where it might be visible. And I think that's that's sad. I think this woman is courageous and smart. And this conversation yeah. feels so familiar um, if you're a person with a visible disability, right? Like it, right. The, the awareness around the white cane, a wheelchair, um, walkers and walking sticks and the just anything, to be honest, prosthetics, uh, where you don't want to hide it or maybe you're just coming to terms with accepting um, these these devices, these adaptive devices or uh, parts of you, extensions of you as a person with disability. And yet, you know, there, there's the part of you that just wants to be normal, that just wants to have... Uh, a normal time or wear something fashionable or, you know, show up to an activity like you mentioned swimming, Danielle, and do it like everybody else there without the stares and the judgment and you know you're the elephant in the room feeling. Yeah. I I, I think that, you know, for the, the more society learns about all the different ways we can be, the better we all will be. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we, it's, it, there's nothing shameful about having to use some kind of assistive device. And mm -hmm. actually that's what an ostomy is. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think, yeah, three cheers. Honestly. And, and the exposure is the biggest thing. Uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, how many people, how many kids specifically I expose to the white cane when I take public transit and right. I, I know I do because you can hear the kids asking, Mommy, why is she carrying that? Right? Like that kind oh, of yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, but I, I've become much more okay with it because it's true. You're exposing people, and especially from a young age. So I, I agree with you, Danielle. She's very courageous in doing this. Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 difficult that the person with the disability is always in, this, in a situation yes. where they're the teacher, yes. where you have to teach somebody else. Um, but unfortunately, it seems to come with the territory. I think that more of us tabs, you know, people like me, temporarily able-bodied, um, we need to step up and, and say to our kids, yep, that's the way it is. That's and right. uh, some people have this and some people have that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just, you know, how we all get through a day, you know, yeah. as we're talking about, you know, can you get up in the morning? Yay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly.
Right. <laughs> uh, Billy, do you want to squeeze one more in? Well, basically, the FDA is um, um, actually they they are in in a bit of trouble. They they are fighting a losing battle when it comes to um, misinformation. What they're basically saying, the commissioner has said that there are too many people dying of because of misinformation, and they are saying he's saying that nobody should die of COVID anymore, but the FDA is is saying is is in trouble or because they failed uh, to talk about a, con a contaminated baby formula plant which contributed to a the the formula shortage and they failed mm -hmm. to disclose um an a, an, an alzheimer's drug so basically what they're saying is that we're dealing with all this information and our own people who accusing who have accused them of um, the way they uh, they outlined the the the, the boosters, um, it's like you're fighting a losing battle, and then you're fighting your own against uh, against yourself. It's interesting who, how you know how do you handle that situation where you are fighting a battle, um, your own battle plus a battle of misinformation that is out there. Immense pressure. Yeah, and, and let's face it, they aren't very speedy. They took their no, time they aren't. when it came when it came to the baby formula issue, and um, you know, with COVID, they really have been very uh, half-hearted in in getting across the whole in you know the the span of information on the boosters. So, yeah, they need to be taken to task. Definitely, yeah. but we got to put a pause on it, guys. Here, oh. Billy, thank you. You'll be back tomorrow. Maybe we'll continue. Uh, we will indeed. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bill Shackleton joining us on The Buzz with Bill. Oh, it feels like we're always leaving it on cliffhangers, though. Uh, but that's all right. We got a whole other hour of Kelly and Ramia coming your way. We're talking about Julie Black changing one word in O Canada when she performed it at the uh, NBA All-Star Games and what that did for Canadians with Danielle, not Danielle, with Corinne Van Dusen on mm -hmm. our entertainment segment. Also, we have entrepreneurship chat with Kevin Shaw, but after the break, we're talking about the airborne object shot down over Yukon last weekend and other things with our community reporter on uh, Kim Hovey. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.